0: Blog Talk Radio It's been a long road Getting from then to here It's been a long time But my time is finally here but I can feel the change in the way right now Nothing's in my way Gonna hold me down no more No, they not gonna hold me down
1: Good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Jess Armline coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in Southeastern Pennsylvania. How's everybody doing tonight? Not that you can answer me. I'm on the radio. Anyway, <laughs> I've got a really great show for you tonight. i um, going to be talking about the cell danger response. Uh, this is where the rubber meets the road, people. This is where... Um, this is the basis of everything, okay? I... Spent about <laughs> about 20 hours putting together this PowerPoint that I turned into a PDF. Uh, it's on the chat room. It's also if you um, have just joined us, you can go to the episode information. It's there, and I um, put it out on uh, the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine blog on my blog. It should be everywhere. Uh, right around now. And um, I'll give you a couple of minutes to go get it because it's kind of important to follow it along. This is a, a really complex subject. So about midday yesterday when I was pulling my hair out, which is a vicarious thrill being bold, um, I realized that I'm going to have to do this in two parts. So we're going to do part one tonight, which is going to be an overview. And then at the end of the month, we're going to do part two where I'm going to get a little bit more technical. Okay, so if your healthcare providers are not here tonight, they should be here at the end of the month, okay? So let me give you a couple of announcements before we start. Okay, um uh anybody who may know Dr. Jim Roach, who's uh called America's healer, who's written a book called uh God's House Calls, has a um conference uh, at the wait, not next week, week after. Okay, and he has invited Sean and I to speak at his conference in Kentucky, which I'm really looking forward to, and it's um, a real honor to be able to uh, share our knowledge with the um, throngs of uh, doctors and healthcare providers that will be there. And um, that's about it that's going on. (laughs) Things are coming along swimmingly. Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit tonight about uh, what's called the cell danger response. Hopefully, you have the PDF in front of you. Okay, it is kind of the bridge between stress and illness. So, if we follow along, I want to tell you that the main reference here, there's, um, I have a picture of it, is called "Mitochondrial: The Metabolic Features of the Cell Danger Resp- Response" by Robert, and I can't pronounce the last name. Nago, it uh, looks like a French last name. Is the at uh, mi- the Mitochondrial and Metabolic Disease Center, Departments of Medicine and Pediatrics, the University of California, San Diego. If you look on that panel, I made a short URL so you could pick up this particular reference. (laughs) Let me tell you, it is a complex piece of work. It really is, but it puts everything together of why everybody is ill. And I'm gonna start explaining it tonight uh, from the very base on up. If anybody knows, they realize that I can usually um, you know, make complex things a little easier to understand. Hopefully everybody can hear me because uh, I'm just going to carry on here. Okay, I want to acknowledge uh, Dr. Ben Lynch for allowing me to use a lot of his slides from ChiCon to 2015. This was the uh, conference that I spoke at uh, a few weeks back in Denver. A goodly portion of the conference was dedicated to this concept of cell danger response because it's such a seminal work and uh, doctors and healthcare providers need to know about it. Uh, Dr. Lynch has been very kind. Uh, If everybody knows Dr. Lynch, he's a pioneer, innovator, researcher, clinician, and frankly a hell of a nice guy. Uh, He has uh, several websites. Uh, The main ones are uh, seekinghealth.com, which is where you can get the world's best vitamins, and better yet, seekinghealth.org where there are discussion groups where you can ask questions and um, participate and have um, uh, very high level uh, faculty type doctors uh, answering your questions. So um, I wanna thank Dr. Lynch for allowing me to use a lot of his stuff, it made things a lot easier. Okay, the first concept I want to get across, we've done this before, but I'm doing it in this particular way for a reason. First concept is homeostasis, okay? Homeostasis is what your body does to maintain its internal environment uh, and to establish optimum condition for health, okay? This is what your body's doing all the time, okay? It is trying to head towards and balance itself uh, in homeostasis. So you know, I know I shouldn't make a definition with the same word, but that's what it is. We're trying to balance ourselves, get our body, bodily functions working the way they're supposed to. Another way of looking at this, if you go to the next panel, is a bell curve. And I've used this with a lot of my patients. Think of your functioning as a bell curve and the median or the middle, you know, is where you're supposed to be. But usually we're within one standard deviation, which is the... Um, 34% there. Um, it's not, this is just to give you an idea of standard deviations. <clears throat> so usually you get a little high, a little low, and your body's Healing mechanisms called homeostatic mechanisms or allostatic mechanisms will, will bring you back to normal. Uh, think about when you were younger and you were healthy and you got, let's say, a strep throat. You you know, It threw you off. you were otherwise healthy, so the doctor gave you some antibiotics. The antibiotics um, brought the number of microorganisms down to a reasonable level, and then the re- immune system took care of the rest of it, and your body just got better. That's because you were within that one or two standard deviations. When you have a chronic illness, you are way, way out from the middle, okay? And what has to be done at first is to bring your body more towards that one or two standard deviations from the middle so that your body's homeostatic or allostatic mechanisms will take over. There's a lot to that. We've talked about it conceptually. This author has put it together scientifically, and it is an incredible job you did. Previously, I wanted to say previously on NYPD Blue, but <laughs> previously we established that cells are the basic unit of life. And you'd be surprised how many people don't get that. They want to treat NTHFR, They want to treat this, that, uh, and all the stuff out in, out in the sky. They forget that the cells are the basic units of life. So cells that work together are tissues. Tissues that work together are organs. Organs that work together, you've got a body. Okay, but if the cells don't work, my friends, nothing will work. Okay, on the next panel, it's exactly what I said. I have a cell phone there, which I thought was pretty funny. I need to entertain myself when I'm doing these things. And if nothing will work, if the cell doesn't work, not methylation. Nothing will work if the cell works, not the biopterin pathway that creates your neurotransmitters, not transulfuration that creates glutathione. not nothing, not know how if you remember that from The Wizard of Oz. So if your cells don't work, all those biochemical processes on panel number 14 that look so complex, and by the way, you look on the bottom right-hand side and kind of take a little dart and throw it sort of in the middle of it. That's where methylation is, okay? MTHFR is even worse. It's even one gene. Remember, MTHFR is not the end of it all. okay? It is not a deity. It's not a devil. It is... A gene that encodes an enzyme okay you have to treat the entire body you cannot treat the polymorphisms I've been writing that on the internet I'm going to repeat it until it falls out of your ears because the people who are treating polymorphisms are not taking care of you well so we you and I have always wondered is there some kind of common ground going on okay and Kind of the questions that have been going around is, like, why do we remain ill despite treatments to get other people well? You know, some people are saying, I think my providers are just guessing. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be wrong. Or are they treating the wrong thing? Because I'm not getting better. And sometimes I offer the thought maybe their premise is wrong. Maybe they're treating the wrong things or treating in the wrong order or treating at the wrong times, using the right things at the wrong times. Okay, it takes a little bit of thinking. I know that's anathema to some people, but it takes a little bit of consideration, okay? And on uh, panel number 16, do you remember this particular slide? It's, uh, this was done in my dysautonomia lecture. And what I did was take symptoms, fatigue, chronic pain, mood changes, confusion, brain fog, numbness, tingling, sensitivity, light, inflammation... And I compared chronic Lyme, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, and dysautonomia. They all had the same symptoms. Okay. And I kept trying to get across, and many of you, almost all of you, have got it down pat that fibromyalgia is not a diagnosis. It's a collection of symptoms. Chronic fatigue is not a diagnosis. It's a collection of symptoms. Dysautonomia, POTS orthostatic intolerance, activation disorder, esophageitis, yada, 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 are not standalone diagnoses. They are an effect of something else. And most of you guys are going back to your doctors, holding them up like Darth Vader and saying, figure out what's wrong with me. And the doctors are getting scared. Let me tell you something. they call me up and saying, I don't know what to do with these people. I'm like, look, well, you better learn, okay? Because they're not going to stop and I'm not going to make them stop because you've got to think that's your job. So at the time we talked about root cause analysis on the next page um the root cause analysis has the concept started like in 1975 with Robert Adler, who basically said that people who are under a lot of stress get more colds and that kind of stuff. And they quantified it and said, "Oh, it's true. They had a study. I wish, I don't know who paid for the studies, but I got to tell you. Okay. Um, I don't know what that noise was. Hopefully, wasn't something just going to come (laughs) blue. I don't know who put money into those studies, but they should have paid me. It was kind of obvious. But he quoted psychoneuroimmunology, which was psycho and neuro, which is neurology, and its relationship to immunology. It's the first time medicine actually said, hey, you know, mood and psychological things can cause immunological changes. In the 1990s, Gottfried Kellerman, uh, the head of the Neuroscience Corporation, and also Pharmasom Labs quoted neuroendoimmunology. Okay, where the neurological system, the endocrine system, and the immunological system talk to one another. He discovered that each of those systems have receptors for the biomarkers of the other systems. So each of those systems have receptors for hormones, cytokines, and neurotransmitters. So they're constantly chattering with one another. And uh, when they when the certification course came out, I got the very first. Certification and say, "Is your certification going to say one?" I'm like, "I don't think so." Anyway, um, as time went on and genetics became on the scene, and uh, Dr. Yasko, Dr. Lynch, and, and uh, Sterling Hill, and so forth, uh, Sean Bean and I uh, were very deeply involved in it, and we developed a method of thinking, which is a thought paradigm that we called bioindividualized medicine, which took the epigenetics put it in relationship to neuroimmunology, mitochondrial dysfunction, and cell wall integrity as a thought paradigm that made healthcare providers look at the basis of what disease is. And those are the areas that you had to look at. Epigenetics by itself are only pointers. Neuroimmunology is a great paradigm, but it did have its gaps. No one was considering Mitochondrial dysfunction is a difference between difference, Sorry, between mitochondrial disease and mitochondrial dysfunction. And anybody with a chronic illness is They're not going to be able to produce energy. They're not going to be able to produce uh, healing because they can't produce their ATP. Okay. And the big concept that people were missing, and this is why we have so many food allergies today, is because of cell wall integrity. Nobody is paying attention to the cell walls and they were fixing everything but and you're talking about leaky gut you're like okay what's leaky it's the cell walls so nobody was fixing it so that's why we started out with having just gluten hypersensitivities and then we take people with gluten and put them on soy then we ended up with soy sensitivities and then it went from gluten gluten and casein gluten casein and soy and now was gluten casein soy and corn Okay. Has anybody ever wondered why we went from macrobiotics in the 70s? Macrobiotics, yeah. Macrobiotics, which is mostly grains and stuff like that, to now paleo, because we've overused the grains so much that we've we've kept the leaky guts so bad that the body's developed hypersensitivities to not only the gluten but all the other grains also. We call it cross reactivity and so forth. Really, what it is, it's the same process, and you've developed memory cells to it. It's just because. The healthcare providers haven't been fixing the gut the way it's supposed to. But even so, I say to you now, even root causes must have some kind of commonality. Mmm, actually taking another step. Uh, that's why we research all the time. And are you ready? <laughs> okay. This is where it gets this is where it gets weird. The common ground is the cell danger response. Okay just follow me along a little bit, okay? And, um, you know, I'm going to always open it up for uh, questions in a little while, all right? The cell danger response is the metabolic response of the cell to protect itself, protect itself and thereby you from harm, okay? It is the basis of reestablishing homeostasis. And just for fun, I put a protective amulet there, okay? It's kind of a mismatch between the available resources you have to heal and your functional capacity, So if you have more danger response, if you have more things attacking you, you don't have what you need to fight it, you're going to you're going to start getting sick. This is the basic concept. On the next slide, um, you see the sad cell there. By the way, I I spent a lot of time finding that particular graphic of the cell just kind of going. hmm. All right. What really put this together was what can cause this danger response? And it's chemical and physical. Sorry about the physical. I didn't realize that P was one place and the physical was someplace else. And we're talking about things like heavy metals, BPA, benzene, heat, salt, shock, radiation, trauma, microbial, mold, fungi, bacteria, parasites. People, parasites are one of the biggest problems. Parasites and protozoa are some of the biggest problems we're having today. They have a major effect on the immune system, a major effect on the neurotransmitter system, and they are chronically misdiagnosed. Okay, and it's because we are testing does not easily lend itself. You have to almost do this by clinical observation, which is the way everything's supposed to be done anyway. But we treat tests, not people anymore. But that's unfortunate. But not us here at the Center for Biomindividualized Medicine. We treat people individually. Anyway, and what this paper did was put in the psychological component as being a very significant entity that will cause the cell danger response, will cause the cell to start deteriorating. Yelling, abuse, isolation, abandonment, PTSD. Remember, PTSD can come from being in a war. It can be from, from a woman being raped from chronic sexual abuse. All of these things that we kind of fob off and say, oh, that person just can't handle their lives. Well, guess what? It's making the cells become dysfunctional, just as bad as the microbes just as bad as the environment okay and if you start putting it together just imagine what's going on at the cellular level wonder why everybody's sick so where does this really all occur it happens in the mitochondria and I just like that electron boy uh, graphic so I stole it from dr. Ben and um, basically I was gonna really go into the mitochondria but basically what I'm gonna say is like the mitochondria are like the canaries in the coal mine because of their rapid metabolism it they can be used as danger alarms. And you should know that any trace heavy metals will trigger a mitochondrial response that's similar to a viral infection. So in this particular study, you can see where heavy metals create illness. Also, what I found pretty interesting was synthesized molecules, like things found in dyes, pesticides, drugs, industrial chemicals, that cause what's called electron steel, that will activate a cell danger response. And we got a lot of that these days, a lot of environmental stuff, okay? And I never knew, uh, this was an eye-opener for me. I mean, I knew of it, didn't realize how basically some of these dyes, pesticides, drugs, industrial chemicals are going to create the cell danger response. And people say, oh, industrial chemicals. Well, you know, when I was a kid, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, okay, the cleaners were cleaners, now you use industrial-strength cleaners. Okay, things that you weren't allowed to touch, you can use now, okay, don't ask me why. But they're powerful, they're dangerous, and we use them. And we're, we're so afraid of microorganisms, we're so germophobic that we weaken our immune systems by not having normal exposures, okay? We, people used to talk about childhood illnesses, you know, measles, mumps, that kind of stuff. We're not anymore. And I realize that people say, oh, that's great. Well, guess what? It weakens our immune system also. Okay, our immune system doesn't get a lot of practice. Maybe one of the reasons that we're susceptible to illness. It's just a thought, and I know people will argue with me, but people argue with me all the time. It's not a big deal. Okay? The CDR, the cell danger response, results in a cascade of changes. Boy, I wonder where you guys have heard that before. I have been screaming cascade events forever but here it is in a scientific study proven okay so the changes that occur in the cell danger response is changes in electron flow oxygen consumption cellular fluidity Um, i do live blood cell analysis in the office and sometimes i'll look at somebody with has cells all stacked up together and they may come in with alzheimer's type symptoms and this just recently happened and the reason for it was the cells are too Rigid and they can't get through the capillaries, so you're not getting enough oxygen exchange, which is already being compromised. Okay, when I used the Protovite with her and you know, loosened up the cells, a lot of the symptoms started going away. The person was able to see better, they were able to think better in about 15 minutes, because when I redid the test, I could see the cells were fluid again, and they were able to get through the capillaries. Okay, vitamin availability, this danger response pulls out your vitamin availability and metal homeostasis, which is how you conjugate your your heavy metals. If you're into science, it it interferes with redox, okay, lipid dynamics, creation of proteins, bioenergetics, protein folding and aggregation. Guess what? It affects everything. And it will result in... The cell danger response will result in autoimmune diseases, heart disease, Parkinson's, cancer, epilepsy, food and chemical sensitivities, degenerative disorders, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, traumatic brain injury and the like. Neuropsychiatric disorders, bipolar disease, Tourette's, PTSD, schizophrenia and autism of all forms. Frank autism, ADHD, PDD, Asperger's, the cell in response to a cell danger response. The body's first wave response to the cell danger to, to the stimulus. I keep wanting to say, keep saying CDRs, okay, is the release of metabolic intermediates like ATP, ADP, Krebs cycles, intermediates, don't worry about it, oxygen and ROSs. ROSs are reactive oxygen species, and I always tell people that don't confuse reactive oxygen species, which cause cellular damage to RUSs, which are rats of unusual size. And they're sustained by pyrogenic signaling, and no, I'm not going to go there today, next time I'm going to explain it to you but I'm not going to go there today oh my god complex okay and I will make it understandable but this whole idea of purigenic signaling is a seminal it's a it's a it's a real big bridge and um I will explain it to you but I have to still have to figure out a way of making it understandable and usable so that, uh, you know, it's easy to talk over people's heads even, even if it be to talk over my own head, okay? And it, it takes talent and it takes work, a lot of work, to make it so that everybody can understand it. Because if you understand what's going on, then you take away fear and healing will take place, okay? So when the danger is passed, normally this is what's supposed to happen. When the danger is passed, you've got a sequence of anti-inflammatory and regenerative pathways. That are activated to number one, reverse the cell danger response and promote healing. But in our great society, okay, we have persistent cell danger responses, and this is where the things like the microbes and so forth are constantly stimulating. And this is create whole body metabolism problems. Gut microbiome gets trashed, that causes more inflammation and all the organ systems suffer. As that happens, you get more behavioral changes, which deepens the CDR and it goes around and around and around. As more damage happens, it remains chronic, okay? Chronic is not permanent, it's just long-term. So this kind of action, which is very common in our chronically ill population, Ends up in chronic illness problems. This is the basis of chronic illness. And since I know that chronic illnesses are hidden illnesses and nobody sees it, I decided to use the graphic that you see on the bottom right-hand side, saying, "My chronic pain is like your stupidity. We can we can see it. We both we can't see it, but we both know it's there." Okay. And you know, and I know that Sean and I are the champions of hit hidden illnesses because we're finding the base reasons for and that's why people are getting better. Okay. So like, oh my God, what else? Okay. I like the cat picture by the way. It's really like, oh my God, <clears throat> frankly, there's a whole lot more. There's a whole lot more. And we've just scratched the surface. Oh, I kind of hit you with a lot of things tonight that I didn't really rush through, but I wanted to give you a kind of a basis that this exists uh the next, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of an uh, idea of what I'm going to be doing on the next show. But one thing I put in here was a, um, a saying from Madame Curie or Marie Curie, the Discoverer of Radium. It, this is a, uh, a phrase that I, I live my life by. And um, I live my life by a lot of phrases, mostly Sherlock Holmes, but Marie Curie is another one. It says, nothing in life is to be feared. It's only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. It's really fear of people okay but our next installment of this may have to go to three three shows i don't know um here's some of the things we're going to be talking about okay uh mixtures of chemical and biological threats have synergistic effects not additive but synergistic which is geometric progression and the total load of danger triggers can influence the magnitude and form of the cell danger response, when danger is detected, mitochondria alter cellular metabolism to help shield the cells from further injury. But that can't last long. Another thing I found in this particular paper that there were pa- that pathways with these pathways that we're talking about are immature in newborns and growing children, leading to the effects that are not limited to inflammation and innate immunity in peripheral t- tissues, but can also can also alter neurodevelopment and increase the risk of other chronic childhood diseases. People. And this whole thing about giving immunizations before the kids leave the hospital is driving me out of my mind. Okay, the, the immune system itself does not get itself together for about two weeks until you're about two weeks old. And here you are throwing heavy metals and junk into a child who has no defenses whatsoever. And with all the other toxicity in the environment, okay, with the newborns and children who don't have the ability to fight it, they start getting inflammation very, very early, okay? And it affects their neurodevelopment. This is one of the reasons for autism. This is one of the reasons that kids are getting sick earlier, okay? And it's not just there. You see with autism, but a lot of children are ill, okay? Uh, In the addiction community, you know, the... You're going to hear that people start becoming alcoholics at 9, 10, and 11 years old. Why is that? Okay, why do they start drinking? Well, very simply, they, they, we live in an excitotoxic society. There's a lot of excitation, loads of excitation, notwithstanding the fact that you've got computers showing lights in your eyes, electromagnetic fields, you've got all kinds of toxins in the environment, anything that was kicking up the excitation in these little nervous systems. Okay, And then they start developing leaky gut, and then you have this whole continuous cell danger response, which we just talked about, and that big vortex. Okay, And with all this excitability, at some point, somebody allows this child to have a drink. They drink some alcohol, which raises GABA, and the consistent thing I hear in my patients is, wow, I finally felt like myself. (laughs) Yeah, I don't doubt it, because you raised GABA. But guess what? If they have any addiction tendencies... They end, up to, they end up going right down that road, and this is they're getting DUIs, they're going to jail, and they end up in recovery at 21, 22, 23. Okay, this is, and this is in our environment with a lot of genetic predisposition. Yeah, you know, why do we have so much autism today? Okay, the genetic predisposition to autism has been there forever. Okay, remember, genetics loads the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. Okay, so it's got to be the environment. I I know that there's better diagnosis, but you can't go from one in 10,000 to one in 55 and explain it by better diagnosis. Okay, sorry, that just doesn't make sense. Okay, it's one in 55. Ever since I've been in practice, it's gone from like one in 250 to one in 55. That's crazy. Okay, more and more and more kids are compromised because of our environment, which is setting off the pre existing genetic predispositions of the pre-existing genetic pathways that are compromised to begin with. But guess what? The way it happens is they start getting leaky gut. They start getting um, inflammation early so that one time they get an immunization or something, it makes it worse. Okay. Is how many people, how many parents out there with autistic children that may be vaccine related. I often ask this when I'm lecturing. Uh, I ask uh, parents, how many of you, when your child got a certain immunization, that within a week or so, they were not your child anymore? You see 90% of the hands go up. Okay. It's not the MMR. It's the accumulation of the vaccinations. It's what's in the vaccinations. Okay. And what's in the environment. And what's, you know is being built up in inflammation. It's not just one thing. It's a series of things, and it all happens at the cells, okay? Um, We're going to be talking about a little bit more complicated stuff about what actually the CDR does, uh, how the cell protects itself, how it changes DNA methylation, uh, how it mobilizes endogenous retroviruses and other mobile genetic elements, um, and guess what? We're just going to, you know, I'm going to try and put this together so it's really, really understandable. Okay. Here's a there's a table here that I wanted to give you before the next time we speak. And it's a disorders corrected or improved by anti therapy. I told you about the pyogenic signaling, which we're going to talk about next time. But I, I, it was interesting. I looked at autism, spinal cord injury, traumatic brain injury. Ischemic brain injury, glutamate excitotoxicity, epilepsy, rheumatoid arthritis, chronic pain, multiple sclerosis, lupus erythematosus, uh, uh, restenosis after angioplasty, Duchenne cardiomyopathy, heart failure, alcoholic liver disease, and cirrhosis, asthma, emphysema, diabetic kidney disease. Then I started looking at the drugs that they were using. It was more, mostly it was Suramin. and the other one was uh, something called uh, apres. I looked up serum. It's an anti parasitic drug. It's a drug that kills parasites. And I started scratching my head and saying, you know, if you're using an antiparasitic drug, because it's anti you know, you're saying it's antipyrogenic. that's fine, I don't care how you how you phrase it. But if you're using an antiparasitic drug and it's affecting things like autism, ischemic brain injury, glutamate, excitotoxicity and the like, maybe the root cause is not only the cell danger response, but what's causing it is probably parasites of protozoa because the uses is used to treat trichomonas, trichomonas vaginalis, which is, of course, protozoa. Okay, And a lot of women with um, interstitial cystitis have an intracellular protozoa. That is the base root cause, which is why I'm pretty good at uh, fixing that. But think about it. If these things work to positively uh, correct or improve this list of horrendous conditions and their anti-parasitic or antiprotozoal drugs, what do you think the root causes? What's causing the cell danger response to continue? Okay. I don't think they, they make that connection. I, I made a connection. Sean argued with me about it, but I'm used to that. Okay. You, you can't argue with the crumbs here. You know, an antiparasitic bring, you know, improving multiple sclerosis. Okay, there's studies out there that are linking Lyme disease with MS, Lyme disease with ALS. Okay, and something screwy going on. But I can tell you one thing: it's happening right at the cells. I'm also next time we talk I'm going to tell you about how to fix, how to fix the cells. Okay, we've been kind of not hinting at it. We've been heading towards it because all of my practice is going right back down to the cellular level, and I'm gonna share with you a concept of how cells work this is very very basic cells need to create energy They have to work they have to manage their energy so in order to do their work because remember cells and tissues and organs
2: okay they have to
1: manage the energy and it's done on a priority system and then they have to dump their wastes, dump their cellular metabolites okay their toxins whatever and this all takes energy okay so it works on a priority system so guess what The last thing to go, the last thing to get energy is a waste management system. And very often we're dealing with people who have incredibly toxic cells, who have high levels of metabolites in their cells. And it gets to the point where things simply don't work. So you want to fix somebody? It's all about the cells. Okay. And I'm going to keep hammering away at it. I've been doing this intuitively for years. The scientific evidence it is is in and i was right (laughs) okay you fix the cell you fix the person leaky gut you're fixing cells okay leaky brain blood brain barrier you're fixing cells leaky mitochondria you're fixing cells okay everything starts at the cell and you have to consider energy creation energy management and waste management okay and if you get the cells to do all that you now have given them their ability to detox. Everybody's going detox, 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 but they don't put any consideration to what that actually means. What it means is the cell's ability to create its energy, manage its energy, and manage energy. My God, I will speak the English language. Hold on, I've got to slow down. Okay, to create energy, to manage energy, and most of all, to properly get rid of it's waste products. And of course, if you have a microbial load, viral load, you have a parasitic load, you have all those bugs that are dumping their waste products into the system also. And it's only raising the whole uh, toxicity level, which is making all kinds of problems in the detoxification system. But all is not lost. Because always remember that when I is replaced by we, even illness becomes wellness. And we're in this together. You know, something that you should know about Sean and I, We do a lot of talking to doctors. A lot of people, when they learn something, they hold it like a dog with a bone. You know, you have to go see the guru and go see this person that, you know, only does this thing. We do everything and we share it with everybody. We don't hold on to our knowledge. We spread our knowledge. That's the real difference. That's why we seem to seemingly make it easy. And what the other healthcare providers do is they make this one little thing that they do like, oh, my God, it's like, you know, nobody else can do it. Well, that's nonsense. They're not treating your entire body. Okay, true holistic treatment is the best of allopathic medicine, traditional medicine, and alternative medicine together. And you can't hold on to that knowledge. You have to spread it because there are too many sick people in the world. And, you know, we just want you to know that we are teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. We're researching, teaching, researching, teaching, you know, working, 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 working. I could work seven days a week, and I often do, okay, much to the chagrin of my family and my dog. My dog wants to bite me sometimes because he doesn't recognize me. But um, that's the reason we do this, because we're determined to turn this tide of chronic illness around. And you know something? We're winning. (laughs) It's an uphill battle, but we're winning. And we have good company. We've got uh, Dr. Ben Lynch, we've got a lot of people who are on the same page and are working really, really, really hard. hard. Dr. Ben is putting a lot of resources into this exact concept, and he has many more resources than I do, but I'm proud to be part of his uh, stable, if you will, because I can see the research that's going on and
2: where we're heading,
1: and we're going to defeat chronic illness, I promise you. Okay, as per usual, if you want to contact Sean or I, For information or consultation, you can email us at bioindividualnet at gmail.com, fill out the contact form at methylationsupport.com, or phone 610-449-9716. And everybody's still interested about learning about your SNPs, learning about your polymorphisms, okay, Uh, you can go to our website. I do have a a video uh, on how to read your 23andMe without going crazy, and it is free okay just go to our website uh, com. give us your email and you'll get the download okay uh i remastered on my best podcast we've had over this podcast got over 15,000 uh listens i figured i should remaster it and make it into a make the powerpoint into an actual video which is what i did um also Cynthia Smith and Sterling Hill have created Snippets a Snippets Compendium uh, it's a book Okay, I have the the link here for you. It is a good reference book. Okay, it I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, give it a good um, talking here. I'm just pulling it out next to me. Uh, it, it is an overview of all the polymorphisms and all the research. Is if you're the kind of person that really wants to understand the SNPs, this is the this is a good book to get. It stops short of telling you. That you should treat the SNPs, which I, I completely agree with. But all the research that you have to do running around to figure out what CYP2D6 does is all sitting in this book. Okay? And it's not expensive. They have a digital download that's about half price. And um, I think they've done a good job on this. It's a nice book to have on your desk if you're a student of this and you really want to understand what COMT does, what the You know the nuances are okay, and it isn't one of those things that says, "Oh, if you have MTHFR, you should give this. If you have CLT, you should give that." That is wrong, okay? But it does tell you about the SNPs and what you can do uh, with them, okay? So, so much for that. Ah, anyway, if anybody has questions, I am sitting on the chat room, okay? You can just type it in the chat room, and if you'd like to. 646 595 2277. That's 646 595 2277. We have plenty of time for questions, so there's somebody here. I'm going to ask them if they have a question. Hi, nice person in the 248 area. Code, are you there? Hello? Perhaps not. Okay. All right. So if anybody has questions, like I said, you can call in on 646-595-2277. Uh, the purpose of, uh, of lecturing about this, the um, cell danger response is because this is the basis of all disease, people. Okay, I've been trying to let everybody know that the basis of all disease is in fact in the cell. This approach tells you why and how. And once you know why and how, fixing it, Is not as hard as you think. Think about it, okay? If you have a house fire, you have a five-alarm fire, you turn off the gas jets, you turn off the electricity, you put out the fire, guess what? Fixing the house, rebuilding the house ain't no big deal. But if you try and rebuild the house while those gas jets are still on, in other words, with the stimulating the cell danger response, it'll fail every time, okay? This has been the big glitch. Also, the big glitch is treating at one end, okay, treating the end result rather than the root cause or not treating both of them together. Nice person in the 703 area code. This is Dr. Jess. How are you?
2: Hi, Dr. Jess. Uh, this is Teresa in Virginia. Uh, and how are you this
1: fine day?
2: Uh, it's raining here, so we're doing okay. Okay. But thank you. Um, we, I have a question with reference to uh, reducing inflammation, and, and you've been talking mm-hmm. a lot about uh, obviously, inflammation, and if, and we need some more ideas. Uh, if we've tried IVIG, if we've tried subcutaneous Ig, if we've tried Tylenol, if we've tried Motrin. If we've tried detoxing, if we've tri- what other things can we do to reduce inflammation when somebody's in a very agitated, raging, um, highly inflamed state? Thank you.
1: Oh, you're most welcome. Well the things you've done um, are the standard stuff that people use to bring down inflammation. Okay. Um, and I, and I realize that, uh, that, you know, you're just giving me a little snippet, but when you're talking about bringing down inflammation in, in a chronic condition, you have to literally go back to the cellular level. So some of the considerations are as follows. Number one, you always have to consider leaky gut syndrome okay and because leaky gut syndrome will cause immune upregulation, which is inflammation
3: and here's the pathway
1: uh you have um, a gut that gets injured by whatever toxins uh xenobiotics whatever and the cell when it's injured releases cytokines okay which are like the rhesus pieces that et followed the little girl into the house so the white blood cells yeah, You ever wonder how they know where to go? <laughs> they look for the cytokine. They look for the rhesus pieces. So the white blood cells will go out, go in and clean up the area. But we think of the merry maids. No, no, no. They go in like SWAT and tear the cells apart. They just clean it out, but they leave this gaping hole. Well, it's only happened in a couple of times. It's not a big deal. But when it happens a lot, there are a lot of gaping holes so that all the toxins, antigens, I'll call them the bad boys, can get in through the gut to the basement membrane, where a macrophage, which is a white blood cell, starts chewing on it, and will take its product over to a naive T cell. naive T cell. Will decide whether it's going to create an antibody that's a Th2 pathway, or create a cellular um, uh, a killer cell, if in the case of a cellular invader. Now. I believe that the <laughs> I believe uh, Rob Williams when he said the body was made by committee, because that process of creating those antibodies takes about a month to happen at first. So I can picture God looking down and saying, mm, "I think I screwed up," and instead of just destroying everything, he just threw in memory T cells, and the memory T cells will remember the antigen, so it can produce antibodies real fast. So you get this antigen, and all of a sudden, a lot of antibodies happen, and it binds up the antigen. Well, that's all well and good until you start getting loads and loads and loads repeatedly and all of a sudden you have a little bit of energy and it releases a whole mess of antibodies. Now, the more antibodies you have, the more immune upregulation you have and that is inflammation. That's why the gut is the major creator of inflammation. You learn how to fix the gut and guess what? You'll reduce inflammation by definition 50 to 80%. The trick with inflammation is you've got to think about the root causes, you've got to think about the damage to the cells that allow it to continue. And unfortunately, because the person's raging and they're hard to control, you kind of have to do it in a particular order. Sometimes if somebody who's raging, I'll give them phenylated GABA to raise their GABA so they can calm down, okay? I know it's inflammatory, but it's very hard to work with somebody who's raging, okay? Sometimes it takes medications so they can calm enough you can start working with their bodies medications especially psychotropic medications are not necessarily forever okay some of the other things that can help inflammation it, it, you'll read about as curcumin um there's a, a, a black sea cumin oil that's very very powerful but you can bring down inflammation but guess what you got to get it why the inflammation is there and then the downstream effects all the imbalances that have occurred from whatever caused the inflammation and what is generally ignored is this whole cell danger response, fixing the cell, getting the cell working again, and that often involves phospholipids for cell wall integrity, uh, methods of getting um, vitamins and minerals, you know, cofactors and coenzymes into the cells, and which also has to do a lot with absorption and so forth. That's where, the, where it gets a little dicey and you have to work this individually. But if I don't miss my guess, you should be looking more basic, more treating the gut to bring down that inflammation. And if the person's raging, then you sh- should consult with uh, somebody who's learned in this area so they can deal with raging. Granted, it'd be a Band-Aid, okay? But if you can get the person calm enough, they can be more cooperative, and especially if it's a child. Most children who, are, who are, have high excitation are not acting that way volitionally. Okay, they're right, acting right. in response to what they're feeling. So you throw itching powder so- down somebody's back. they you know, it's sort of like if you your bladder is full. <laughs> okay, you're gonna. That's like an emergency situation. You're gonna like knock people out of the way to get to the bathroom. Okay, it's not a behavior you would normally express, but that's a lot of excitation. Okay, it's temporary, but it's a lot of excitation, and, uh, so would, and that happens all ag- the time. Go ahead. I would
2: agree with. Re- I'm sorry. With reference to the gut and. And some direction on healing leaky gut would would be useful. I we've seen improvement on the GAP diet. Um, he's on a, a, a gluten free, casein free diet, pretty much paleo. So I, I I totally agree with you with reference to the gut. What what things can we do to really heal that?
1: Well, there's loads of things to do. I can't treat you over the phone. I can't treat you on the. Uh, I can't treat him without knowing his history. But I will tell you. That I often, as I'm interviewing people, uh, I'll say, gee, what have you done to to heal the gut? Oh, I'm on the GAPS diet. I said, no, no, no. What have you done to heal the gut? I'm on the GAPS diet. Like, no, 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 no. What have you done to heal the gut? And they don't realize that the dietary changes are good, but they're only temporary. Because you give it six months, they'll start reacting to whatever they're eating. In order to heal a gut, you have to start thinking digestive enzymes. You have to start thinking phospholipids. You have to start thinking about rebuilding the cells. Uh, The proper use of probiotics. um, Those are just generalized uh, things that have to be considered. But uh, if you're just using, you can't fix a gut with diet. You can prevent, you can stop the type of antigen that's going in. But you do the same thing long enough, they're going to respond to that because they've already got a leak fix the cells, which is what I'm trying to kind of point at.
2: Okay. okay. Um, if there's a reaction to probiotics, I know some genetic SNPs might indicate that you probably can't take enhancer or curcumin or probiotics, certain probiotics. Is there anything more specific that can And and an assessment that you should look for, for SNPs that would indicate yay or nay on some of these things?
1: There is, but you're, you're asking a question that's difficult to answer in general. You know, when I look at, when I look at the polymorphisms, okay, I look at them not individually, I look at them in groups. So I'll look at the detoxification pathway, I'll look at the estrogen dominance, I'll look at the um the uh, the pathways that break down certain medications, I'll look at um the pathways that break down uh catecholamines, uh and TMAOA. Uh, you know, if the person's having aldehyde problems, you know, that you'll you'll have the ADHs and NATs and so forth, and that clues you in that if the person has a yeast problem they're gonna have a real they're gonna have a real problem breaking down the result in aldehydes, which is like formaldehyde. Uh there is no particular SNP I that says you shouldn't use X probiotic. There's no particular SNP that says you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. That I see a lot of that on the internet, and that's when you start seeing my hackles go up because not everybody who's got c on t v one five eight whatever you know has the same thing uh there was a study done in Scandinavia that uh on convicted murderers and they all had m a o a homozygous all right, so does that mean that everybody who has m a o a homozygous is going to be a murderer no okay is everybody who has the BRCA gene going to have breast cancer? Not really talking about the BRCA gene. Everybody's got that gene, BRCA1, BRCA2. Do you have polymorphisms there? Oh, if you have these polymorphisms, you're going to get breast cancer. Nonsense. Absolute positive nonsense. You know why? Because they, they tested everybody who's got breast cancer, and they all have those genes. Well, guess what? They test the whole population and compare it. How many people have those same polymorphisms and don't get breast cancer and the ones who do what was their lifestyle like? What was their, you know, exposures like? Why did they get cancer? Okay, because the way that's treated is, to, of course, to, to remove the target organs, which is nonsense. Okay, it really is. I mean, I know people who've had double mastectomies, hysterectomies, and so forth, and I, to prevent the cancer, which that's not the way to prevent it anyway. Okay, the presence of a polymorphism does not make you ill. The absence of a polymorphism does not make you well. Okay, you can have a perfectly normal genetic appearance and have all kinds of illness because you have so much traffic and so much toxicity in the pathways that everything's falling down. You don't treat the SNPs. The SNPs are pointers. They're not to be utilized that specifically. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're most welcome. Take care. Anybody else who has questions can call in on 646-595-2277. And like I said, um, with this uh, nice woman that just spoke with me, okay, uh, once again, over and over and over, I'm going to say it. You treat the person, not the polymorphisms, not the SNPs. You treat the person, not the test, okay? I do this with Lyme all the time, Okay. The diagnosis of Lyme is not made from tests. It's a clinical diagnosis. Everything is a clinical diagnosis. Every single thing that has to be diagnosed is done clinically, not by testing. The biggest problem that we have today is that medicine has been corporatized. So they're trying to get the, they're trying to squeeze the doctors and everybody for every little piece of blood they can get. So they're pushing everybody. And if you don't have the proper testing, findings for x instead of saying hey let's look further saying well you don't have that okay so people do a screening test for Lyme and you don't have Lyme that's nonsense okay that test is not valid for most of the time and most people have chronic Lyme okay look at the people who have normal thyroid tests and have clinical hypothyroidism but they're not allowed to treat it they're not even allowed to consider it they'll say oh it's not your thyroid and start treating a bunch of other things that doesn't get them better Okay, Uh, the polymorphisms are the pointers. They tell you where you should be suspicious. Remember, the presence of a polymorphism just tells you that certain pathways may not handle an oxidative stress load as well as another person. Okay, and you still have to correlate clinically exactly what's going on. i got to tell you, the programs, the computer programs are out there that are, you can pump in whatever you like, but if... Somebody hands you a computer program and says, this is what you should take. You should crumple it up, make a little airplane out of it, throw it back at them, get your money back, because unless a healthcare provider is sitting down with you and doing a good history and correlating not only the genetic probabilities, but the neurology, endocrinology, immunology, your physiology, and then coming up with a plan that not only considers and treats the root causes, but treats all the damage or downstream effects. Okay, this is why people aren't getting better because people don't want to take the time. Providers don't want to take the time to treat both ends of the stick. Okay, and you are a dynamic physiologic individual and you have to be treated like that. I know it's my soapbox, but I'm not going to apologize for it. Okay, listen, I hear you breathing out there. So people have other questions, I know that. So come on, call in 646. 595-2277. Five nine five two two seven seven. You don't have to be asking questions about what we talked about tonight. You can ask any questions at all. Okay. I don't mind. I've got my lead underwear on. You can try and burn me as much as you like. I know people like to do that. Okay. If you have a question and you're on the chat room, please type it in. Okay. I know that I was, um, talked a little fast tonight, but guess what? It's a lot of stuff to talk about. Okay. Come on. I know you're out there Call in. <laughs> anyway, um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Okay, I was gonna talk a little bit more about genetics, but I think it kind of beat that to a s beat that to a pulp. Okay. Um the concept I'd like you to walk away with tonight is as follows. One, everything happens in the cell. Okay, you start with cellular function. Okay, I've often told the story about my very first day in medical school and of course one of the first classes you take is cellular physiology, and I had Dr. Bogan. Dr. Bogan was so old, I don't think he studied history. I think he remembered it. Okay, and he walked in, sat down, and just started talking. And he started talking about the Big Bang. And after about an hour and a half, we decided, maybe we should start taking notes. Okay, this man taught us physiology from the Big Bang forward, which gives rise to the fact that my children always say to their friends, don't ask my dad a question. Don't ask him a question. Just don't ask him a question. They can't why. Of course, he's going to start at the Big Bang or start at the cell wall. you got your choice. As a kid asks me a question, my sons get up. They walk out. Where are you going? Oh, we're going to go to the sandwich shop. We're going to get him a sandwich. He's going to need it because I'm not known for my short explanations. Nice person in the 831 area code. Are you there?
4: Yes, this is Mary.
1: Hi, Mary. How are you?
4: Hi. Thank Jessica you for your go. Yes. You're yes, most welcome. I saw your um um I guess it's a blog talk on how to understand SNPs without going crazy. But yeah. um, my question is Sterling now has a new um program that all the if you put twenty three and me in it, it goes in through the new program. Yeah. And the it's a very are. different format. It's a very yes, different it is. format. So um is there any way that you might do another <laughs> um, I would, version I would of that love with to. your new format?
1: <laughs> I would love to, but uh, at the time I made the first one, um, Sterling wasn't, um, you know, wasn't uh, didn't mind me doing that because I was, you know, I I, I use her format um, because everybody else out there, like Live Well and so forth, kind of copies her format. Okay, Mm -hmm. but presently, she's not only created her and Cynthia Smith and um, Colin Lodowski in in Australia have not only created this book, they also have a course uh, essentially teaching that. And uh, if I were to do a if I were to do a a show like that, which I can easily do, I can easily do it. It'd take two shows to do it, but I can do it uh, and explain it much better, um, preferably with the, you know, people looking at the pathways and understanding it. Uh, that, I think, would be a conflict of interest presently. And, uh, you know, I'm very big on being fair, you know. And if uh, yeah. she's created created a, a course that she wants people to take, it would be very unfair of me to gainsay yeah, that. I understand. Um,
4: well, can you tell me, how getting... is it, just looking at her new program, because um, all my clients get their 23andMe and it goes through that, it just mm-hmm. seems like there's a lot of repetition. I'm not oh, sure yeah. uh, how you would well, quite... A new one to
1: the old one. Well, try. that's one thing you should even try and do. Okay. The, in her new program, you have liver detox phase one. Okay. And uh, for the people listening out there, phase one means that you take a polar molecule, which is fat soluble, which is what most toxins and mm-hmm. stuff are. And you put it through the cytochrome P450 pathway, which is what all those CYPs are. Okay, and of course there's lots of difference, but generally speaking, the intermediary after the CYPs are free radicals. And that's the joke I made with the ROS is reactive oxygen species and so forth. And of course they require antioxidants and so forth. The free radicals now go into liver phase uh detox phase two, which are the conjugation pathways, you know, methylation, glucobaronidation, gluc um uh conjugation, and you'll be impressed I can pronounce the words. Okay, um, at the end of that process, you have a polar molecule, which is water-soluble, that can be excreted by the kidney or into the feces. Now, realizing that it's nothing short of alchemy to be able to take a polar molecule and turn it into a nonpolar molecule, but the body does it, okay, by all these different pathways. So she's got to divide it like that, and then she's got other pathways like methionine and um, Methylation and so forth. <laughs> at first, you know, I because at first I said, look, well, you know, put them in the pathways. So Cynthia Smith drew out pathways, and you, you know, they did them pathways, and then of course they gave it to the computer guy, who put it in the computer, who put it all in alphabetical order. <laughs> and I was like, guys, it's not in pathways anymore because it was easier to understand when you could look at four or five genes and you knew that that was the acetylation pathway. And that was Angiotensin, and that was this, and this was BHMT. Now it's a little scattered. They, the more uh, the the version, the newer versions, putting putting are putting the genes in better pathways. But you can look through it, and what it's done is just kind of divided out a little bit. So once you get past the <coughs> detox, and you get past the methionine pathways, methionine methylation, and so forth, uh, and you get past um, and the neurotransmitter pathways, it's a lot of repetition. And that's okay. okay. It kind of depends on what you want to be looking at. If you want to look at, you know, the, the effect of COMT and all the peripheral stuff, you can. there's a section for that. You want to look at the mitochondria and everything that affects the mitochondria, okay, it's all in one section, okay? There's a lot of healthcare providers who don't have the time to go through that 44-page report. It takes me 45 minutes to explain it to someone. Okay, I do it because I get a lot of information from it. Plus, I'm used to doing it. Okay, I sound like I'm smart and I am, but (laughs) it's a lot of repetition involved. Okay, Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, but the that's the way she's got it is a good thing. It's also a bad thing because there's a lot of repetition. And the other bad thing is I, I don't think you should look at one pathway and say that's the end all and the know all. So the doctors are saying, oh, just give me the genes for autism. No, no, no. Just give me the genes for this. No, 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 no. You want to know mm-hmm. if the mitochondria are working and whether you should be considering mitochondrial dysfunction. Okay, you want to know how that person handles uh, catecholamine. So if you're looking at COMT and then you get to the DBH, which is uh, dopamine beta-hydroxylase, which takes dopamine and turns it into norepinephrine, then you look at the MAOA and you realize that dopamine is broken down by COMT, MAOA, and is converted to norepinephrine by uh, dopamine beta-hydroxylase, and they all have nasty polymorphisms, you can realize the backup is gonna be in dopamine, you know, which high dopamine can give you hallucinations and so forth. Then you start looking at the DRD1, DRD2, DRD3s, which are the dopamine receptors. A lot of polymorphisms there only simply mean that the receptors are gonna get desensitized rather easily under an oxidative stress load, and they're not gonna respond to the signaling. And oh my gosh, this is one of the reasons for very high dopamine or not proper signaling of dopamine. Dopam- the whole dopaminergic system is, whole- is your entire reward pathway, and it also affects many other neuropsychiatric diseases. So that's how you forwards and backwards extrapolate from that. It gives you the setup, and that's where your index of suspicion goes.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm.
1: when you look at it, it's, it's, you know, if I see somebody with a lot of co and a lot of NEOAs, NA- one, one of my favorite sayings is to look at them and say, I bet you're the kind of girl.
4: That I bet you're what?
1: Oh. <laughs> I bet you're the kind of girl or guy that when you get angry, it, it held on for a long time. <laughs> and a and man or woman, bigger than your genes. Why, if they can't break down their catecholamines, whatever excitation they have is going to hang on for a while. Okay, so sometimes, mm-hmm. depending on how bad it is, they may say that, boy, it h- held on for so long that, you know, once I felt a little bit better, I was wondering, why was I angry about that? Okay, what well, gives you an indication <laughs> to how the pathways are actually working? It's called doing a proper interview. Okay, now I'm saying mm-hmm. that I'm not saying anything bad, I, I I mean no disrespect. Okay, so when you look when you look at the pathways and then you start asking questions that are related to it, you have a sense for how their physiology is working. You see the ADH's and ATs and you say, I'm looking at the aldehyde pathway. Well, this is an adult, let me ask them how they deal with alcohol. How do you feel when you drink alcohol? Well, I used to be able to drink like a fish when I was 20, but now if I take a drink, I get a headache and I get sick all of a sudden. Well, guess what? When they were 20, that pathway was kind of clear, and they were able to take ethanol, which turns into ethyl aldehyde, which is also acetylaldehyde, okay, which is one carbon over formaldehyde. Okay, think about Mm. injecting formaldehyde in your brain. That's where a hangover comes from. But now they're 45, and they have a half glass of wine. Where they have one shot of whatever, and they're getting sick all of a sudden, well, they're not able to handle the aldehydes. What does that mean? Okay, the traffic in the pathway may be coming from what? You better be thinking yeast, because yeast, candida albicans, yeast produces a ton, and I mean a ton, of acetyl aldehyde, which is mm-hmm. going to affect the brain. This is why they blame yeast on MS. They blame yeast on everything, because it hyper the brain. You have a problem with the, acetyl- uh, with the aldehyde pathway. You can't break it down. Okay, that's going to raise it even further. So if that person's having neuropsychiatric problems and they have these ADHs and they can't drink, you sit there and you say, "Oh, well, maybe I should look for yeast. But the tests are negative. I don't care. This is what makes mm-hmm. sense. I'm going to treat it anyway. And guess what? Because when you're treating it, it's no harm the foul. All right? Yeah. And they start getting better because you're killing off the bugs and you, you combat the excitation with GABA or whatever it happens to be. You start fixing the cellular function, the cell walls, and the person actually heals because mm-hmm. you took the hints from the genetics, asked the proper questions, and that mm-hmm. gave you weight. You can see a CBS pathway. And, you know, my standard joke is CBS does not is not a radio station. You know, it takes homocysteine <laughs> and cystidion. It's true. Right? See, I teach by humor. If somebody yeah. laughs, it sticks in their head, okay? And that's mm-hmm. the reason I use it. Plus, I believe we should laugh at our enemies, okay? Yeah, right. We're dealing with people who are very, very ill, okay? No kidding. And who, yeah. <laughs> And they're frightened because something that they don't understand has gotten a hold of them. And I tell them right to the face at the end of my consultation, you're going to have a hold of it, and it should be afraid, very afraid, okay? One of the things Mm is you look at the CBS pathway, and you know that beta synthase takes homocysteine, turns it into cystathione, CTH turns it into cysteine, and without forget, it becomes glutathione, but When it gets backed up, you're gonna have a high level of ammonia. This this is without getting into because they have CSAD, they got suox, and all these things will tell you why you have high taurines if you look at the pathways, you know. And you realize that if that person's got a high level of ammonia, they're gonna have brain fog. Okay, so how do you know if this is a problem? Okay, you can mm-hmm. ask them about, hey, how do you handle, you know, garlic and onions and stuff like that. But that's really not going to tell you much because that can be a hypersensitivity reaction. You ask them, gee, have you ever juiced? Have you juiced with green juices? You know, and the, oh, yeah, yeah, kale, spinach, something like that. and so say, did it make you feel better or worse? Yeah, it's funny. It made me feel worse. Well, you know, think about it. If they're juicing, they're taking all that, you know, spinach and stuff. How much spinach do you have to put in or, or kale to get a glass of juice? Much more than you'd ever eat. Because when you're eating a leash, you know, you've got water, you've got, you know, fiber in there and so forth. But when you absent that, it's like getting a glass of orange juice. You know, if you ask for a Mm -hmm. glass of fresh squeezed orange juice, you're going to do six oranges. You wouldn't sit down and eat six oranges. But there you are drinking everything but the pits and rind of six oranges. So if that person drinks a highly concentrated sulfur source and they feel bad, well, you got your answer about the sulfur pathway.
2: Okay, mm-hmm. and then
1: you, however you're going to treat it is however you're going to treat it. Okay, that's going to bring that. What's the most common thing there? That's more neural excitation, more brain fog. Okay, so you can mm-hmm. look at them in pathways like that and then ask the proper questions. Okay, mm-hmm. if a person looking at their mitochondria and you see that they've got a lot of homozygous and you know that's the first complex. Okay, you block up that pathway, you're not going to get the results of Krebs which is FADH and FADH2, you're not going to get them into the electron transport chain. Those guys are going to be released free radicals, and you're not going to be producing a lot of ATP. Okay. You yeah. combine that with problems in the glutathione pathway, which would take the oxidized glutathione GSSG, which is stuck in that pathway because it's not a big pathway, okay. yeah. and, re- and take that oxidized glutathione and turn it into reduced glutathione. They get problems in that pathway. They can't clear it. There's too much traffic getting in, and they become their own producers of free radicals. Okay, mm-hmm. so you can look at these things in pieces, and it's very daunting. It's very daunting. Yeah, it is. Like, oh my God. And I skip. I, I skip over a lot would of stuff. Put a
4: course together, you know, where we could study it We're, with you as a group or something.
1: That's available. I have to just call the office. We do mentoring all the time. We can set it up for groups. That's not a problem. Okay, we do it all the time. Okay, we do individual yeah. mentoring. I I talk with doctors all around the world. There are a lot of people who want to understand this, but the people who really want to understand it will take the time because once you've done it three, four, five times, all of a sudden you get the Gestalt. Bink. Okay, I understand. Great. Thank you. You know, it's <laughs> a matter of being able to look at it, and you know that in real estate, it's location, location, location. In medicine, it's right. history, history, history. Mm. You almost don't need the genes if you take a good history,
2: okay? Mm -hmm. But you take the history,
1: you take the lab findings, you take the genetic structures, and you can pinpoint problems almost like a GPS. I'm serious. Mm -hmm. I'm dead serious. And it's a matter Mm -hmm. of keeping the concept of root cause and downstream effects. And then the real problem is how do you fix it? And that's the order of treatment. The order of treatment now, I'm I'm pushing it hard because it's true, is the cellular level. Okay, we're mm. treating everything else. Let's treat NTHFR. Let's treat CVS. Let's treat this. Let's treat that. Let's treat this. And everybody's forgetting about the cell. And they're wondering why, mm. if, you know, these big protocols and all these expensive vitamins aren't working. They're not getting in. They're not sticking. Okay, because mm. nobody's fixing the cell. And that's where you have to target. So now you have had mm-hmm. to sort of look at it, you know, how to ask about it. If you know the pathway, you know what to ask. Okay? Mm-hmm. Assess relatively you know, what's going on. And then look, that'll give you pointers to the root causes. And then once you have the root cause, you realize that your treatment is going to have to go from the cell all on out. Guess what? You start fixing that, then you know kind of who you have to kill or what you have to kill and what that thing might have done. You know, if it's a CBS thing, you might want to use malignant and stuff like that. You can start compensating. You become the magician because you already know what pathways need help.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I know that it, it, it seems almost simple, but it's not. It's It just takes a lot. I know. You know, Very, if you, you have a group that you want to get to. to me. Well, it's one, It's actually not all that bad. And if you have a group that wants to be taught, and you want to do it like in a webinar kind of thing, I can we can arrange that, Sean and I. You know, um, okay. just call the office and we'll, we'll chatter about it. Okay?
4: Okay. All right. Well, thank you
1: so much mm-hmm. for taking my call. You're most welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Dr. Armine. Can I say hi? Are you there? I know. Well, I
2: mean I just did hello, I've been on for ten seconds. I don't even know what you're talking about. So I <laughs> okay. I don't know what to say. No <laughs> problem at all.
1: You know. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. So you don't have a question, you're just listening. That's fine. Okay, okay, I'll just put this on hold so you can listen, okay? No problem. Okay. Oh, that was cute. (laughs) Because I I see what happens is I'm sitting in front of a, um, you know, my computer and it has this, um, uh, this, you know, the uh, blog talk radio uh, uh, station in front of me. So I see people calling in, but I don't know if they're calling in to ask a question or they're calling in just to listen. So that's why I just ask because I'm going down the list and there's not too many callers at the moment. So anyway, does anybody else have any other questions? We're uh, getting about 915 and, um, does anybody else have any other questions that they'd like to ask about anything? Okay, 646-595-2277 is a call on. Or if you are on the chat room, you can um, you can type in a question that way. Okay. Uh, hold on. No questions? Okay. Well, the remainder of the month, we have... Um, a few more guests. We have a couple of guests. Uh, Dr. Raj, uh, Radka, who's from Chicago, and um, I can't pronounce her last name. Anyway, she is a wonderful practitioner and a uh, integrative specialist. And I will be promoting her talk, and you'll learn a lot about her. She's going to be uh, interviewed next week, and looking forward to it. The week after, Sean and I will Jim Roach's conference in Kentucky. So I'm not going to have a show that night because, um, frankly, uh, I'll be exhausted.
2: Okay, And the week
1: after that, we're going to do part two of this and really get into the depth of how the cell danger response occurs and what we can do about it. Nice person in the 831 area code. Are you there?
4: Hi. This is uh, Marie again. You, No one else was calling, oh, so I thought okay. I'd ask a second question. Oh, Please. Okay, I wanted to ask you, what do you feel or do you know about this Dr. Pompa, um, P-O-M-P-A? He talks a lot about multiple chemical sensitivity and treats it with um, a glutathione precursor and a product called Bind that binds up the um, toxins as they get released in the intestines. Uh, I was just wondering if you know about him. I was really disappointed. I I know. Go ahead. I'm just disappointed really to disappointed life. to find that his fees are outrageous. I mean, even as a consultant. And I'm not even sure he's a licensed doctor anymore. He let go of his license and now he's a um like a religious medical doctor or something. You know. Anyway. Well, I'm just wondering uh, more so let's, about let's what your thoughts are.
1: Yeah, let's not talk let's talk about deeds, not doers. Okay. um, Yeah.
4: Yeah.
1: Let me me, um, because it's it's a um, it's impolite and a capital mistake to talk personally about somebody. Okay, I will um, tell you the guidelines that I give my patients when they go to see people. Okay. Mm -hmm. Of whatever ilk, Um, if and and I'm glad you're asking this question. I'm, I'm I would have never thought about answering this tonight or even addressing it, but I really do appreciate it because there is a problem out there with alternative medicine. Uh there's a lot of people who realize that uh people are desperate. Okay, yeah. and they're yeah. and they're frankly taking advantage of it. And I'm not talking about mm-hmm. Dr. Pomba talking about anything. I'm talking generally so just because this yeah. is being recorded and guess what, Dr. Pompa, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about anybody. Uh I don't know anything right. about you. I know I know your methodologies <clears throat> but um you know it's something that I practice also, so it's it's not a big deal. Uh, frankly, um, when you go to see a, an alternative medicine doctor, here, here's the warning signs. Number one, if you have to pay the good Lord's own fortune to make an appointment, and God forbid you have to remake the appointment, they they charge a double. Um, and mm. frankly, you're going to pay cash because a lot of this is not covered under insurance. But, you know, I keep my fees. <laughs> I'm low. And believe me, I'm an international expert. I, I can charge quadruple pentuple tuple what I charge and still get it, but I don't do it so I have, uh, I, people have access to me. Okay. When you're p- spending the good Lord's own fortune to make an appointment, you got to think twice. Two, mm-hmm. if you have to get a bunch of tests before you see the doctor, like two or $3,000 worth of tests, that's the doctor setting it up so you treat a certain way. Frankly, mm. I don't do that. Okay, I read the person's chart before I see them. Okay, uh, if you're doing a lot of testing before somebody c- comes in, what that's akin to is throwing you know what against the wall and seeing what sticks. That's not using mm-hmm. your brain. Okay, mm-hmm. what I do with what I do with my clients, patients, is ask them to write a narrative. Okay, if they can I do have forms for them to fill out if it's easier. But I prefer a narrative because it's a free-flowing thing. I ask them to give me all their um, testing prior to them coming in. And I actually read the stuff before they come in. Okay, and I write down all kinds Mm -hmm. of ideas and so forth. Then I start my history. When I say come in, I do most of my work on the Internet. I do most of my work Mm -hmm. on Skype or on the phone. I mean, my consistent joke is, do you think my Australian patients fly in to see me? (laughs) <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or my patients in England mm-hmm. or Canada or Saudi Arabia or Germany or Italy, you know, I have, I have patients all over the world. Okay. And I can handle this. If somebody needs personal hands-on care, I refer them back to their practitioners. And there's some people who it's inappropriate for me to handle um, in this um, distance kind of a mode. Okay. And I, I recognize mm-hmm. what they are and I, you know, but mm-hmm. um, when somebody practices a subset, a little-known thing that only they can do. I get real suspicious. I get Mm -hmm. real suspicious. There's very few people out there um, anymore and uh, that they're the only practitioner that does X. It's usually they learn something and they made it so that it looks like nobody else in the world does it. Which really only part and parcel of something else. I've seen this in chiropractic all the time. You know, somebody will, you know, do some kind of special technique that's really part of what you normally do, but they make it so, you know, out of proportion that you think, oh, it's the only person that can do that. Nonsense. Nonsense. Typical chiropractic. You know, why are you make such a big deal out of it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the more they make it, the more, they, the more people pay, the more they're going to respect mm-hmm. the... What they're doing, okay, and the more they value it, my biggest problem has been why prices are so low that people you know say, well, I should go to Dr. X because he charges twelve hundred dollars to go in, and Dr. Jess only charges four ninety five well guess what Dr. X is you know setting you up, so to speak. Okay, and you've got to be really careful about
4: it. Right, right. There are yeah, that was are... a big clue for me. But, but the real question, I was just curious at what you think about systemic formulas and the G-cell that he recommends in the bind, mostly for, because um, I have a number of clients with that that report that they feel much more toxic at night when they're, you know, and he has a little video that explains that um, a lot of the toxins you... are reabsorbed you... in the intestines.
1: I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? I didn't get part of it.
4: Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, So I was just wondering what you feel about systemic formulas. This is for multiple chemical sensitivity using a product called G-Cell, which is a glutathione precursor, and then also BIND afterwards, which is basically a strong version of activated uh, charcoal in the night so that people, you know, detoxing, clear the stuff and not reabsorb it.
1: Well, I'm looking up G cell. Um,
4: is it a product? It's systemic formulas. It's okay. systemic formulas.
1: Yeah. Okay, I'm getting it. And I, got
4: it. Um, I can look it up as we're talking. And I, have it. In I it. have it right in front of me.
1: Yeah, I have it right in front of okay. me. Okay. Um, it says it's an intracellular glutathione. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, click on for a view label. Hey, that's nice. It's got a vitamin C, magnesium, vitamin B6, B2, B1, zinc, man- manganese, 5 uh, methylfolate, chromium, methylcobalamin, hydroxycobalamin, selenium, molybdenum, vitamin D, and it's got N acetylcysteine, ribose, L-turine, L-glutamine, L-acetyl-L-glutathione, turmeric. Uh, essentially, what this is, is it's got. Um, Glutathione precursors in it. It's got some glutathione. Right. I'm not exactly sure if it's in a liposomal format, but if you put glutathione down your gullet, are you going to break it apart before you absorb it? And yeah. um, it's got a, you know, some supportive uh, vitamins and minerals. Um, me, I don't know if this is, you know, this is not something I'd recommend for my patients This books. Okay.
2: You know, if you're
1: going to use glutathione, this is just, uh, you're asking me a personal question about, you know, about this particular product, and it's not something that I, I would look at and say, hmm. but, but, you know, when you're mm-hmm. treating mold, okay, uh, a lot of people concentrate on the production of glutathione, okay, pulling the mold out of the body, okay, and uh, some people do that with... Um, you know uh activated charcoal and they can do that with uh pectosol C, which is pectin
3: and there's a lot of uh
1: um a lot of other substances that are a little bit more toxic right. that will pull it out of the liver okay uh and of course it's it's kind of standard to use activated charcoal at night to bind up and there's other things you can use besides activated charcoal to bind toxins okay <clears throat> is that anything really really special no. perhaps okay um is it something that you know only one person in the whole world does know? You know, this mm-hmm. if you treat right, it, right. it'll be one of the things. It, there's loads of different ways of getting glutathione into the body, um, and it doesn't answer the question as to why the glutathione is low if it's even been assessed. Okay. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm you know it, it, that particular product is not something that you know I, I just quick looked at it, so hopefully not, yeah. nobody gets angry. Nobody gets angry with me, but just on a first glance, it's not something I would use with one of my patients. It just doesn't seem like. Yeah. Something that you know. Yeah, and then the the product
4: he follows it with is called Bind, and I was wondering how that compares with um, like zeolite or the pectin, the modified citrus pectin. It's uh, got uh, boazine and apple fiber and activated carbon, and then humic and fulvic acid. Anyway, it's the same thing, systemic formulas. But
1: yeah, well, um, humic and fulvic acid are are really good uh, sources of trace minerals. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, and the and uh and I'm sorry. What were the other two products? Uh oh, two. Um, uh,
4: ba- it's b a o z e n e. I've never heard of that. Baozene. I know, I'm imagining it's something like zeolite or whatever, but and then apple fiber and activated carbon. Well,
1: oh, apple fiber is like such as pectin. Um,
4: yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, Baozene. Um, is a fruit powder extract, okay? Pro- essentially, doing the same thing that um, that citrus pectin is doing, okay? Yeah. And, you know, these are the these are the. I mean, I I tend to use when when it's necessary uh, something like pectisol C, which is uh, a citrus pectin product, which I find to be gentler on the system and more supportive of the cells um, yeah. when I'm doing this kind of. If I want to do um, extract, you know, either mold or, or heavy metals and so forth. I don't like to do that using standard heavy-duty chelation. I like to do it very gently over Mm -hmm. time unless it's an emergency because you pull out heavy metals fast, you're pulling out trace metals fast. Okay? Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, and again, this is, you know, you're asking me something in a vacuum at first glance, so, you know, I have not not done the research on on, on qualifying what I'm saying. Uh, But in, you know, in in your first question, I'm just, you know, I I have difficulty when – You know, doctors make it this, you know, uh, really big deal about something that all alternative medicine doctors should be able to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: If you're truly holistic, you should be able to handle most things. Okay. And then have a set of consultants when you can't handle things. I -hmm. have a set of consultants that I talk to when I hit walls. Okay. And I'm not ashamed. I can't tell you the amount of times I've gone to Sean and say, okay, we've got to talk about this. He does the same to me. Or I'll talk to Dr. Ben Lynch or I'll talk to Susie Cohen or I'll talk to, you know, Wendy Myers, people who are experts in their particular areas. Okay. I do the same for them. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's putting it all together. We don't need specialists. We need generalists. We Mm, need doctors and healthcare providers that can put everything together. We've had enough of specialists. Specialists are why we're stuck where we are, because every specialist looks at things through their own myopic view, and Mm -hmm. they don't consider anything else. And that leads to the that the birth of that led to the inevitable afterbirth, which is people who you know, put themselves in an ivory tower and say, I'm the only one that can do this. And, you know, or, you know, if I have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. What we need Mm -hmm. are generalists. We need the old GP to come back. The person who Mm -hmm. studied everything, referred when appropriate, but could handle most things. And I'm not talking about family medicine, I'm talking about somebody who could really handle most things and a good holistic doctor will do that because that's what holistic is the best of you know, traditional and non traditional medicine. Trust me, you come in with a strep throat. I'm not going to treat it, you know, using, you know, alternative medicine. I'm going to send you down and get an antibiotic. I'll fix and support.
2: But remember,
1: you don't fix the strep throat. And you got a young lady in front of you and she develops rheumatic fever and then thereby rheumatic heart disease. And then when she decides to have children in her third trimester of pregnancy and she starts getting pulmonary edema because of the damage to the, um, Heart valves, it's your fault because you're an idiot, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do what's best for your patient, but you have to have a, a large eclectic base in order to do that and be willing to use it. Okay, We don't need specialists. We need generalists, okay? And when I train people, I always tell them, call yourself a specialized generalist because <laughs> that's what you're doing, okay? Mm-hmm. We yeah. need people who are going to take responsibility and put everything together because that function is Visited upon the person who is least trained to do it, and that's the patient themselves, okay, yeah. we have to take that away. We have to do what we were trained to do and stop the politics, stop with the nonsense, and stop with the you know I want to have the biggest boat I want to have the biggest boat in the basin and so forth, okay We have to start getting hum- we have to start getting humble again and start treating our patients as they need to be treated you know now you've right. hit- hit me be my you,
4: soap <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you because I believe the chronic illnesses are on on the rise. You know, we're seeing oh my God, the 21st yes. century illnesses are just horrific and it's bankrupting mm-hmm. all the people that get sick and then mm-hmm. they're desperate to get help and it costs so much and all the concierge medicines out, out there, it's just terrible. And then they're left with no right. money, they're bankrupt, and they can't get help. <laughs> you know, it's just I agree. awful. I
1: completely. It is awful. But you know something? The movement is moving forward
4: of having people, yeah. we
1: call it bioindividualized medicine because we had to put a name on it, okay? Mm-hmm. But that concept is being promulgated and being expanded upon. And even people who use my concepts and some of my, you know, trademark terms, I don't go after them. You know why? I want them to use it, okay? Yeah. I want them to practice like this. If they follow in my footsteps and they're practicing the way that I'm practicing, and I don't care whether I've taught them or not, whether they've stolen what I have, I don't care. I want them to treat Mm -hmm. people well. Okay. And that's why I don't go after people who use my trademark stuff, you know, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I want them to learn. I want them to think this way. It's a manner of thought. And I want them to care for people the way that I do. I do my best. I make mistakes. I fall flat on my face. Any of my patients will tell you sometimes when I drop the ball, I'll call them and say, I'm really sorry I dropped the ball. I'm a human being and I'm a single practitioner. Okay, I actually do work by myself, you know, so guess what? It's only so many hours in a day. Okay, when I drop a ball, I really drop a ball, you know, but I try my absolute best at all times, okay, and that doesn't mean that I don't get sick or I don't get tired and, you know, I just try my best, okay, and this is beginning to work. We have over 110,000 listeners right now. This is working because this is what people are looking for. I'm not selling anything here. I'm just giving people Mm -hmm. information that they go back to the healthcare providers and hold them up like Darth Vader and say, why don't you like, why don't you learn this? You know, like I find your lack of faith disturbing. Okay. Because their doctors are either very, very busy or very, very lazy. Okay. And Mm -hmm. they should learn that this is what's necessary to get people better. Okay. That's the one. I thank you for your time. We are out of time. Thank you (laughs) so much.
4: Thanks again. All right. Thanks again. (laughs)
1: Okay, people, uh, once again, we're at 930, and uh, the show is over. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. All right, thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your support over the years. Uh, we're going to have um, a very good speaker next week, uh, and after that, uh, we're going to revisit the cell danger response, and um, I'm going to explain it in more depth and explain how to fix it and how to fix your body. And whether you treat with me or somebody like me or you direct your own healthcare providers, okay, remember, okay, you have the power. Okay, knowledge is power. And that's what I've been sharing over the past couple of years. I want you to go after these people with teeth bared and make sure that they start learning how to care for you properly. So, until next time.
0: It's been a long My time is fine. I can feel the change in the way right now. Nothing's in my way. And I'm not gonna hold it down no more. No, I'm not gonna hold it down. Cause I've got faith of the heart. Going where
1: my heart will take me. Like I keep telling everybody, the reason we do this is because people who have chronic illnesses are the strongest people I know. And all we really need is information and direction. Okay? And it's a service. That's why Sean and I work so hard. Okay? Take the information. Go to your healthcare providers. Insist that they take care of you correctly. Okay, you just do it. Have a good week, people. Take care.